Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. You ever find yourself in a place where you shouldn't ought to be? Whether that be physically or whether that be mentally, I think every one of us can attest to the fact, been there, done that, got the scars to prove it. And that's where Peter is this morning. Suddenly or maybe purposefully, sometimes we find ourselves in situations that you know that the testimony of your life, the testimony of your faith in Jesus are going to be put to the test. We know that we shouldn't be there, but that's where we are. Peter didn't know himself nearly as well as he thought he did. He just couldn't believe that he would betray Jesus. He was ready to fight for him. Yet within hours of proclaiming his loyalty to Jesus, he was denying that he ever even knew him. As Pastor David explains in today's message, there are some places we just shouldn't go. Some situations where we need to just avoid them. When we place ourselves in certain circumstances, relying on our own strength, we are setting ourselves up to fail. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, Diary of a Fall. In essence, we're going to be covering just about nine verses today. We're in the gospel according to Luke. We're in chapter 22. But you know as well as I know, nine verses, we could stretch that out into weeks and weeks. But we're going to try and get them all in this morning as well as add a few verses to it to help us to better understand what these nine verses are speaking to us. We are in Luke chapter 22. We're going to begin in verse 54. We've gone through all of Luke. We've gone through all the earlier passages in chapter 22. Now we are down in verse 54. They've had the night before them there in the upper room with Jesus and his disciples. And then they went from the upper a room down uh, across the uh, Kidron Valley into the Garden of Gethsemane. They've had the time of prayer there. And then as Jesus is speaking to his disciples, we get to verse 54. Look at this with me, if you would. Verse 54 of chapter 22 of the Gospel according to Luke. Having arrested him, having arrested Jesus, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man was also with them. But Peter denied Jesus. But he denied him. Peter denied Jesus, saying, woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, you also are of them. And 
Peter said, man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed away, another confidently affirming said, surely this fellow was also with them, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. And I love Mark's record of this particular point in this conversation. Mark actually enlarges it a little bit more. Mark tells us that they said to him, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean, and your speech shows it. But then Peter began to curse and to swear, saying, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And back in Luke, immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And so Peter went out and wept bitterly. This is something that the Lord had predicted to Peter earlier on there in the upper room. Peter was so proud and so boastful, but the Lord Jesus says, no, Peter, before the rooster crows this coming morning, you're going to have denied me three different times. This had to be the lowest of all times for the apostle Peter right here as he went out from that courtyard weeping bitterly because he knew he had betrayed his Lord not once, not twice, but three separate times. In Matthew's gospel version, as well as Mark and John, they cover some of the events that's going on with Jesus while Peter is there in the courtyard. Peter waits, or Luke here, waits until after the full denial of Peter before he gets into the events going on in Jesus' life during those early mornings, the early portions of the trials. We find through a study of all four of the gospel accounts that the arrest, the trials, and the crucifixion that Jesus went through, actually he had six different trials that happened that day and early on in that day. And we look at these and we could make the argument very easily that none of these were actually legal trials. Uh, They weren't legal because of their time that they had the trials. They weren't legal because of their location. They weren't legal because of the charges that had been set against him. Three of these trials were religious trials put on by the Jewish leaders. Three of these were secular trials put on by the Roman authorities. All of these going, and when we look at the gospel accounts, we also have this confusion of who is the high priest at the time. There were actually two high priests when you read the gospel account. One was a man by the name of Annas, the other was Caiaphas. Annas was actually the older, and Caiaphas was his son-in-law. Annas was taken out as high priest by the Roman authorities around 14 AD and put in his place was his son-in-law, Caiaphas. So Caiaphas, though he was officially the high priest, the Jewish people actually looked at Annas as being the high priest because they felt that he was unjustly, unrightly taken out of his position by the Romans. Now, because the Rome, or because the Jews were under Roman control, they weren't allowed to hand out capital punishment. And so they had to take Jesus to the Roman authorities in order to have him crucified. We find that in the sequential order of the trials of Jesus, 
First he's before Annas, then he is taken to Caiaphas, then he's taken before the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was the supreme court of the Jews. They were the ones that again condemned him to death, but because they couldn't uh, crucify him, they brought him to the Romans. There at the Romans, he stood before Pilate, Pilate realizing he didn't want to have anything to do with what's going on with Jesus, not finding any fault in the man. He also heard that Herod Antipas was also in the area. Herod Antipas was actually the leader over the entire region, Pilate being underneath Herod Antipas. And so Pilate suggested that since Herod was in the area, that Jesus should go before him. So he went before Herod. Herod saw no reason to charge the man with anything, but he had wanted to see Jesus because he wanted Jesus to perform some kind of a miracle. He wanted some kind of a trick for Jesus to do before. He wanted to be entertained by Jesus. And when Jesus wouldn't play with his games, he sent him back to Pilate. Pilate realized there's nothing wrong, there's no guilt in this man, but yet because he knew that if he let him go free that there would be a huge uprising among the Jews, he in essence turned him back to the Sanhedrin and said, you do whatever you want to do with this man, but as far as I'm concerned, I'm washing my hands of the whole ordeal. Now we're going back, that's all that's going to be taking place with Jesus over the next several hours. But right now we are still in the pre-dawn, the very early times of the morning. And when we look and we understand that here is Peter in a place that he should not ought to have been in. He's in the courtyard of Caiaphas. He's in, in essence in the enemy's camp. Let me ask you this morning, you ever find yourself in a place where you shouldn't ought to be? Whether that be physically or whether that be mentally, I think every one of us can attest to the fact, been there, done that, got the scars to prove it. And that's where Peter is this morning. Suddenly or maybe purposefully, sometimes we find ourselves in situations that you know that the testimony of your life, the testimony of your faith in Jesus are gonna be put to the test. We know that we shouldn't be there but that's where we are. And perhaps like Peter, our, our own minds, our own processes of thought go into, well, I, I think I can handle this. Or I think I'm different than everybody else that get in this situation. They've fallen, but I'm not gonna fall. Maybe you know others that have fallen in these situations, but you feel that you're the exception to the rule. Then the problem is, folks, we find ourselves just like Peter, even with all of our courage, with all of our strength, with all of our zeal for the things of the Lord, we become totally unprepared for the attacks of Satan. And beloved, he can turn the fire up hotter and hotter and hotter until we, again, cannot stand it. We find ourselves falling. We find ourselves failing in the testimony of our lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. How could that happen? How could it happen to me and to you? How can we get ourselves in that kind of a situation where we are denying our Lord Jesus Christ? Or maybe you're among the ones that said, that won't happen to me. That's what Peter declared. There's a lot of lessons that we can get and we can learn from Peter's experiences. Perhaps for many of us this morning, we could actually borrow a phrase from an old Neil Diamond song. 
Anybody remember Neil Diamond? Okay, I just want to make sure. I, I know it's like a generation past, but the dude's still singing, okay? Sure, he's only playing casinos now, but uh, he's still popular, okay? The words of a song, one of his songs were, except for the names and a few other changes, if you're talking about me, the story is the same one. And I think we can relate to Peter in that way. Except for the name and a few other changes, the story is the same one. One of the things we know by experience, very rarely are we ever placed in a spot of a possible spiritual crash or a fall that we hadn't taken some wrong steps along the way to get there. And this is where we find Peter this morning. There were these progressive steps, there were these progressive actions that had happened within his life that brought him to that situation of being in that courtyard in that early morning time. And when we look at the situation that Peter finds himself, really the whole event could be summed up in the first four verses that we read this morning. Look at it real quickly with me. Verse 54, having arrested Jesus, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But note, Peter followed at a distance, number one. Verse 55, now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, number two, Peter sat among them. He's not sitting among the disciples. He's not sitting among the lovers of Jesus. No, he's sitting among a portion of those that had even arrested him that night that are there. These are the enemies of Jesus that he's finding warmth in their campfire. It goes on in verse 56, and a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man was also with him. And then here we find it the first time. But this is the fall, guys. This is, this is where it's happening. He's, he's already crashing over the edge. Peter denied knowing him. Following at a distance, sitting among them, denying he knowed them. As clear as these three points are, I actually wanna make four points in my message this morning from these three. How we or how Peter could have ever gotten to that point of denial, to that point of spiritual failure, to that point of a spiritual crash and burn. The four points I wanna make this morning is spiritual arrogance, spiritual apathy, spiritual audacity, and physical proximity. Spiritual arrogance. You can relate that to pride versus humility. Earlier that evening there in the upper room, remember, Peter displayed this great pride rather than humility. He didn't recognize his own weakness because he had too much confidence in his flesh. He had way too much confidence. He was the one who told Jesus that if everyone else fails, I'll continue to stand strong, even if I have to go to jail or die. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, he says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. You see, Peter figured he could stand. Solomon tells us in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Church, be very careful, be very weary of spiritual arrogance that says that might happen to others, but it won't happen to me because then you become a prime target for the enemy. The second point is spiritual apathy. 
Once they had left the upper room, they, they went over into the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus and all of the disciples there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then we find that the disciples, and in particular, Peter, James, and John, had been told to pray. Jesus told them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. In essence, he was telling them, pray like your spiritual life depended upon it. And beloved, it does. And the same call for you and I to be people of prayer is to pray because your spiritual life depends upon it. But the disciples fell asleep. That's why I'm calling spiritual apathy. You see, we could almost understand that there was a lot that was going on that night. But one of the things that we find out when we study the, the gospel records is this isn't the first time that these guys fell asleep during a powerful spiritual time. Remember the Mount of Transfiguration and all that was going on, and yet the disciples fell asleep. And oh, by the way, it was the same three guys, Peter, James, and John. Okay, maybe they had narcolepsy, I don't know, but no. I think it was spiritual apathy is what they had. Something was missing in all of this, and I believe what was missing is that they did not have a connection with the eternal importance of the situation. There was an eternal battle that was going on there in the Garden of Gethsemane, and these guys did not have a clue. They were clueless of it. Why? Because they weren't connected in with the importance of that eternal situation. They were too involved in the current and the temporal to see and understand the future and the eternal. And Peter was walking in spiritual apathy, not truly concerned about the reality of the spiritual battles that are raging around them. And beloved, the church can get into that so easily because we live our life day in and day out and everything seems to be running fairly smooth and we are absolutely clueless. The majority of spiritual battles that are going on, the intensity of the spiritual battles some of you here this morning, you've come into this place and you've had spiritual battles all week long. I mean, the enemy is raging against you or your family or loved ones. Do you really see it as a spiritual battle? Or do you see it, oh man, it's just stuff going on in my life. You realize that the enemy is trying to take you out of the game? The enemy is trying to knock your feet out from underneath you. Spiritual apathy. Pay attention to what's going on. Thirdly, what I call spiritual audacity. Dictionary.com defines audacity as boldness or daring, especially with confident or arrogant disregard for personal safety, conventional thought, or other restrictions. Did you catch that? Oh, it's boldness or daring. But audacity adds the fact that they're being confident or having arrogant disregard for personal safety, conventional thought, or other restrictions. It's through this spiritual audacity, not spiritual leading, that brought Peter to swing that sword that early morning. That wasn't the spirit leading. No, he was just bold and he was just gonna do what he felt needed to be done without any direction, without any leading of the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry, but I've been there, I've done that. And it's not a pleasant thing. And by the way, I don't think my boat is a one-man canoe, amen? It's probably a huge cruise ship. Peter, we find him 
continually moving and, and speaking with his own understanding. His boldness actually led to, reckless, to recklessness. His confidence was in his flesh, not in the Holy Spirit. Now here, after the arrest, Matthew, Mark, and Luke each tell us plainly, Peter followed at a distance. And some would support Peter and said, oh, well, at least Peter followed. None of the rest did. But I want to submit to you that Jesus had told them, look, you guys are going to be scattered. Meet back up with me in Galilee. He didn't say, come and follow me when they arrest me. He's not being led by the Spirit. He's being led by his own spiritual audacity, thinking that he could do something or be someplace where Jesus had no intention for him to be. I don't know about you, been there, done that. This was his audacity that led him to the fourth place, that physical proximity. Let me ask you this morning, are you where you're supposed to be? Are you where you are supposed to be? Oh, sure, it's Sunday morning, I'm in church, and, and I'm right where I need to be. Okay, that's good, but how about the rest of the week? How about rather than physical, how about also the idea of mental and emotional? Are you where you're supposed to be? Peter was warming himself by the enemy's fire. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. Where was Adam when Eve was being tempted by the serpent? I don't know. Looks to me like I don't think he was where he was supposed to be. We read about King David when he was, before he was king, when he was running from King Saul. He tried to find comfort within the enemy camp of Achish, the king of Gath. And in order to escape, remember, he had to act like an idiot. He had to act like he was insane. He started drooling and banging his head against the gate. And finally, Achish said, look, I've got enough fools in my own kingdom. Get him out of here. How foolish we act we're in the wrong, when we're in the wrong place. Even when David became king, it was during the season when kings went out to war, David found himself in the wrong place at the wrong time, gazing down at Bathsheba. Are you where you're supposed to be, church? Spurgeon tells us that when a servant of Christ, by his own choice, sits with the servants of the wicked, sin and sorrow speedily follow. Psalm 1 tells us, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Are you where you're supposed to be, church? So how do we deal with these things in our own lives? Number one, we no longer walk in spiritual arrogance. We shut that down. We are called to be walking in humility. James 4.10 declares to us, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. That was the lesson that Jesus was teaching every one of the disciples there in the upper room. Humility, to walk in humbleness. Peter himself, Peter, the guy who falls here, later on he writes a couple of great books. In 1 Peter chapter 5, he writes that we as believers need to be clothed with humility. Why? Because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Don't walk in spiritual arrogance. Walk in humility. Thanks for
for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. David will continue teaching through the Gospel of Luke next time. Now we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to theopenword.com. You can also subscribe to The Open Word podcast at theopenword.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes store. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to theopenword.com and subscribe to The Open Word podcast. Again, to become our Facebook friend and to access the archive of messages, log on to theopenword.com. Now here's Tracy with information about how you can help partner with us. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that the open word is a missionary work? It is. We need your support as we share God's word over the airwaves. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting the open word. Go to theopenword.com and click on the support option in the main menu. We invite you to join us again for the next study as David shares insights with us from the Gospel of Luke. That's next time on The Open Word.